This episode is brought to you by Levitt Pavilion. This summer, check out one of my favorite outdoor concert venues in Denver, Levitt Pavilion. May through October, Levitt is offering ticketed and totally free all-ages concerts. I feel like we just go to anything that's free because it's like the kids can be at the show and it's people aren't weird about it and you can like bring a picnic. It's awesome. Some of the free shows this season include Iskali, Melvin Seals, War and Treaty, Sunny War, Chali Tuna, and more. To RSVP for free shows and buy tickets, plus see the full concert schedule, go to levittdenver.org. That's levittdenver.org. Today on CityCast Denver, did a city council member use taxpayer money to pay for flight upgrades, sangria, and not one but two parade floats? We're talking about the ethics investigation into Floral Vidrez, the GOP rep who tried to drag Denver down with him before resigning as minority leader, and all the other local stories that mattered this week. Plus, our Rocky Mountain highs and lows. Today is Friday, January 26th. I'm Paul Caroli, and here's what Denver's talking about. Welcome back to CityCast Denver, the city whose championship NBA team was expecting an invite to the White House on their recent visit to D.C., but they were snubbed. They were snubbed, Bree. Story of the Nuggets' life, you know? Good. Nobody wants to celebrate our wins. <laughs> listen, Phoenix. Good? Listen, Phoenix Suns apologist. <laughs> Seven wins in a row, baby. Oh, whatever. <laughs> we're, we're tight for first in the Western, in the, with who? Oh my gosh. At any rate, the Nuggets are doing better than the Suns is all I'm going to say. <laughs> and that's where we'll leave that. So yep. it's Friday. We're here in the 5280 Magazine studios. Bree Davis is here. You've heard her voice. Hey, Bree. Hi. Bree, um, Bree the top story of the week is us. I decided a few minutes earlier before we started recording oh, because we were we're in the the news this week after our interview with Mayor Mike Johnston, the Denver Gazette. We have to talk about this. This was very exciting. The Denver Gazette reports uh, Denver Mayor Mike Johnston's stylish jacket takes center stage, um, and this article features extensive quotes from our interview. Um, so it only made sense that Johnson was asked to dish some details on his signature look when he joined the CityCast Denver podcast on Wednesday. I mean, I love this for us. It's like free yeah. advertising. Thank you so much, Denver Gazette. But I also just love that um, other people got really mad that we asked the mayor. <laughs> oh my God. They got mad that we asked the mayor about his jacket because they also didn't listen to the episode where we spent the rest of the time talking about the migrant crisis and transit issues. <laughs> but... We did open it with a fun question, and boy, did we pay for it on the internet. <laughs> I, I like that I'm finally getting my due as a fashion authority, I, you know, which has long overdue, honestly. I mean, I've been saying in, it for and years. And in Colorado, no less, the height of fashion in all of America. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, anyway, go back and listen to that interview if you haven't already. It was really fun sitting down with the mayor. It, was it always is. He's interesting to talk to. He is. Interesting ideas. He's, got, he's doing a lot right now. So, um, And we challenged him on some uh, some important stuff too. But Not anyway, just his jacket. Um, yes. another, another business note before we get into it. Yes. This is something really, really exciting that CityCast does always that we don't talk about a lot. But every year we get to, and this is this is that time. You probably don't know this, just listening to the show every day, but we do a uh, a post-interview demographic survey with all of our guests. Um, the point of doing this, as I'm sure you can guess, is to just 
keep us accountable to our values, make sure we're representing the diversity of the city. Um, I don't think a lot of news outlets do this. I think some do. Yeah, um, I think it's becoming more common for sure, but it's definitely not an industry standard by any means. Yeah, um, and we'll post the full results in our show notes. There's charts, there's graphs. You can look at the whole CityCast network. Um, there was an article about us in Neiman Lab this week about this effort, and um, but just but you know the interesting stuff is the data here, how we've done. Um, and apparently, our guests broadly mirrored the population of the city and the region. Uh, specifically, we did have a higher percentage of black and Native American guests than the city and metro area, uh, a slightly lower percentage of white guests than the community. Um, we did have fewer Hispanic guests than you'd expect, only 17% compared to 29% of the city, which we should do better at We're always this year. working on. I mean, I think this is just a helpful metric for us to always be paying attention to the voices that we're able to bring to the table. So yeah. something we think about in every single, every time we set out to set up interviews, this is something we're thinking about. Yeah, and, sure. and, and enormously useful to look at this for us, but I, I think also interesting, hopefully for you all too. And uh, if that's the kind of thing you care about in a podcast, consider joining our membership program. Absolutely. Memberships.citycast.fm slash Denver. That link's in the show notes as well. Shall we get to our guest? Yeah, he's been sitting idly by. I've been very polite. Waving his hands. You have been very polite. Yeah. Um, I've been a good boy. <laughs> um, you, he's been on the show so many times. We love having him back. Um, Navajo comedian and recent winner of the Mayor's Award for Excellence in the Arts, Joshua Emerson. Welcome back. Oh, thank you so much. It sounds so good when you say it, too. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good title. E Excellence in the arts. You know, what does that mean? Who knows? Give me money. All right? <laughs> it means you are the most excellent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I. Uh, the other thing is, I'm an eighth Puerto Rican, so uh, add that to your demographics, okay? <laughs> don't think I would. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think we get down that precise, but maybe we need to. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people come up to me being, you know, a 30-second Cherokee, I feel like, you know, the eighth works out, <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> I do know some white people that do that. A hundred percent. Me too. <laughs> um, well, all right. So let's let's just get into it. I, you know, our real top story this week is a, is a real doozy that dropped on us. Um, after only six months in office, uh, new Denver City Council member Flor Alvidrez is under an ethics investigation, according to Denverite this week. Uh, they broke the story uh, following a complaint from a former aide detailing a variety of alleged abuses, including more than $300 in flight upgrades on a trip to Chile for the Biennial of the Americas. And uh, I mean, we'll get into all the details, um, but uh, Brie, where do you want to start with this? I mean, this is this you is know, a real, my, this is quite a story. My favorite, my favorite part about this is um, there's concerns over paying for parade floats. Uh huh. That was the biggie for the Broadway Halloween parade, which, by the way, is an absolutely lovely event. You win, right? I did. It was great. I love that this is a new tradition in the city. However, there's been some, I guess, according to this alleged these uh this report um uh councilwoman flora alvidrez used some of that money to maybe pay her ex-husband to make a float mm -hmm. um and when she was asked about that she said quote i did not privately benefit from either transaction and cesar is no longer related to me so just because you're divorced <laughs> means you're on paper no longer related to someone. But I think the whole point of the concerns here is you have a relationship with this person, whether you're married or not. A hundred percent. Yeah. And then like Cesar's no longer related to me. That's, <laughs> That's a, a vibe. That is. That you is know? like <laughs> get 
out. Uh-huh. Two two floats for the same parade because she forgot that she already commissioned a float when she commissioned the second float. Yeah. That's that's real. Did you Maybe. see two floats? Did you see these I floats? I don't I honestly don't remember. And I mean it one of the one of the floats was uh made by Youth on Record, but I don't think it was Youth on Record's float. So I have no I don't know. Maybe it was. I have no idea. Yeah, I was looking for some pictures from the parade. I couldn't tell who made the floats. If Cesar's float was indeed, you know, miraculous and worth this extra taxpayer money, fifteen thousand dollars on floats. I don't know. I'm gonna say it's too much. I don't. I don't know what <laughs> floats cost, but fifteen thousand dollars feels like a lot. It does it, feel like yeah. a lot. The other thing that stuck out to me is that four of her aides left her office, and when it comes to uh, like over and down in the, like the political sphere, the aide positions for council members are highly coveted, more so than like the the state house and the state senators, because the council member aide positions are uh, full year round, and so they. Get, and they're able to sort of like build a life. And and so you'll see people graduate from the state house to be uh, city council member aides. You're like That's like a pretty common political process. So for four of them to quit and then to have one of them, 42 pages, photos of receipts, invoices, plane tickets, screenshots of emails and texts in this complaint, pretty, pretty, pretty gnarly. Good. Yeah. In just six months. I mean, yeah. it's a serious yeah. track record yeah. in just six months. Brand new sitting council, per- brand new um, sitting council person uh, replaced somebody who was popular but chose not to run again, Jolyn Clark. Um, but yeah, the, the aid position is interesting. I have I have quite a few friends that are aides, and it's a really hard job because you are the representative for the council person in mm-hmm. the community. Often, when they're not able to be in multiple places at once, so I think you have to have respect for that person. And maybe if you don't. I think that says a little bit about what was going on within that office. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of turmoil for sure. So. Uh, I, the other thing I saw in this is that so the uh, ethics board they can sort of recommend discipline, but they can't institute discipline as well. Mm-hmm. They say it's like the the, the appointing authority. And in this case, the appointing authority would be the general public. So would that mean like a maybe like a recall, or would it just have to affect her next uh, election cycle? I, I, I was that's I was an interesting point. Yeah, in I terms don't know of like, what the recall rules are for I, council people here in Denver. I should we. We should look into that. I remember Inglewood just had uh, several council people had a recall vote happen their mm. last election within the last six months. Right. So I think there's some precedents here we could look to more recently to see how things are going. But that's a great that's a great question. Right. What is what is next? Do we have to wait three and a half years for the next election? I don't yeah. know. And, and what are how do, how do voters see this? I guess that's how I'm thinking about this. Like if it is the voters who are going to uh, decide what to do with her, either vote her out or do a recall or whatever. Like it's, she's a new council person. I looked into like what she's actually done and how people might be viewing her track record so far up against these ethics complaints. She hasn't really like spearheaded many newsworthy uh, initiatives, um, but she has been vocal. She, she was a a pretty, you know, vocal uh, opponent of the, the mayor's like concentrating micro communities. Apparently at one point there was going to be a few different shelters put in her district, which was Mm. district seven, um, which is like Wash Park and that like South central Denver area. But it's also Athmar Park. Right. It's also my side of right. of the city too. It's a really interesting district in that way. Right, and then she's also um, she voted against the mayor's proposed purchase of the uh, Denver Post building for almost ninety million dollars. So I mean, she's 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 doing stuff, uh. but um, I don't know if it's going to be like enough to stand up against these complaints. These are like pretty serious complaints. Yeah, 
Well, and and we were talking about this earlier, Paul, like um, when you go to vote for somebody for something like city council, especially someone who's new to politics, you're just going on a a couple things about them that seem Mm. like what match your values. Maybe like, you know, she's from a working class background. Her father immigrated here from Mexico. To me on paper, she sounds like she represents a lot of what my neighborhood looks like. So on paper, this looks like a person that you want to vote for, but you don't know this goes for anyone. You don't know what they're like until they're in office and yeah, actually right. doing things. So I don't know. Sometimes it's just hard to tell. Yeah. And the, and the aides tried to save her. Like, like they lots and lots of conversations about like, hey, this isn't eligible for being reimbursed or like this. This isn't good. We can't continue to do this type of financial habits. And so and then they all left when she didn't comply. Right? Yeah, there was a detail about a yelling match. Like, I right. guess on a trip to California, she wanted to, she asked for a per diem, which I guess is not a, a normally how things work. And then the aide was like, you can't actually ask for that. And then they got into a yelling match over it. And, and then that aide is one of the one of the ones who quit, obviously. Yeah. And 42 pages is a lot. <laughs> it, it is. It's a lot well, of complaints. And you're making a good point here, Joshua, too. A lot of these folks that are aides have been in politics for longer right. than- you know, yeah. than someone who's a first timer. So they probably know the ropes pretty well and are like, hey, just a warning. We shouldn't be doing this. We shouldn't be doing this. And then at a certain point, at some point, they were like, ethically, I just really can't right. yeah. be in this office anymore. Although, on the other hand, you know, some of these complaints, like paying for sangria, and apparently there's a rule <laughs> against like, you can't use taxpayer money to pay for alcohol. I don't know. I don't know. Some of these complaints are just like, Shouldn't there be an acceptable level of of graft? You know, my my father in law would always say, <laughs> "Oh wow, no. I love this steak." I, yeah, I know. My father in law would say he they have a he lives in he lived in Mead and there was like a, some mayor that got in trouble for like stealing a bunch of money and and he was like, "I'm going to run against this guy, but I'm going to say I will only do ten percent graft. I, I will limit my my theft and my extort or like my stealing from taxpayers to ten percent." And I think they're gonna people are gonna like that more. Yeah, I'm more annoyed by the parade floats than the. A glass of sangria. You're right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. The parade flows is like, I don't know. I, I mean, it's $15,000, but it's $15,000. Ethics. I don't know. I, it's, if it felt unethical to me, I would not want to do it. Is, don't That's you fair. think though, that like every politician to some extent is, is like bending the rules and like playing in this gray area though. I guess that's kind I of like where I'm to thinking. I think that they're not, hmm. but I, I don't know. I mean, I, that's I, tough. I would say, I would say that's actually what's, kind of attractive to a lot of politicians. And I think there's something, just just to add on to it, some politicians like the graft. They like the idea of getting away with something, uh, but not doing too much. You know, I guess, I, I guess- I don't know, maybe the wrong the city to be in doing it. I it don't depends know. on the voter, I think. Because some people are going to be real hardliners on ethics like you, Brian. Some mm-hmm. people are going to feel more like me, where it's like, yeah, I mean, some. I assume you're doing some. I mean, I guess it would be realistic to say, I assume folks are doing some, but at the same time, I'm electing somebody to represent me. I'd like them to not be a corrupt person. <laughs> Fair enough. You know? Fair enough. Yeah, that's right. Well, we'll see what happens with uh, council member Flor Alvidrez. Uh, maybe we'll get to talk to her about this at some point. Yeah. Um, and uh, that ethics complaint hearing is on February 7th. So that's when the next oh, news is going to be on this. Mm. We'll talk about this again. Closed door. <laughs> Closed door. <laughs> Yeah, and then they'll decide if there's going to be a public hearing, which I guess would be the next step. And then who knows, maybe maybe a recall, like you said. Um, but right now we'll go to a, a quick break and come back with another uh, another real hot topic.
This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade, hello, Palisade Wine, are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing, but from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. This episode is brought to you by the Denver Botanic Gardens. It's time for the 75th annual spring plant sale at the Denver Botanic Gardens. Mark your calendars for Friday and Saturday, May 10th and 11th. Admission is free, but you must register in advance at botanicgardens.org. Registering my husband, Greg, right now for the plants I want him to pick out and plant in our yard for me. Shop from 15 different plant divisions, including annuals, houseplants, herbs and veggies, and specialties like aquatics, container garden in a bag, and plants grown right at the gardens. The garden's horticulture staff will be on site to answer any and all plant questions you may have. This sale emphasizes water smart and native plants that are perfect for our semi-arid climate. They'll be great for a beautiful landscape that doesn't require a bunch of water. For more details, registration information, and a catalog of available plants, go to botanicgardens.org. That's botanicgardens.org. All right, we're back. Um, we got a, a doozy of a story to talk about. Um, it's a real big one. It's kind of taken over uh, the whole state press in the last week. So I'm going to give a couple of details, but then there's one individual piece that I really want to uh, talk about with you two. Um, so the story is the minority leader of the state house of representatives, Mike Lynch, resigned this week after the Denver Post revealed that he got a DUI back in 2022. And as the footage from the cops uh cop car shows. He reached for a gun after the arresting officer asked if he had any weapons on him. Um, he then hid this whole thing from his Republican colleagues who then a couple months later voted him as minority leader, um, which is part of why they turned on him now. Um, this is by the way, the same Mike Lynch who is running against Lauren Boebert for the, uh, the seat in Congress that Ken Buck is leaving representing the Eastern Plains and Douglas County. Um, but so yeah, we'll talk about all these little pieces, but, um, I want to start with some Something that Lynch said on the Dan Kaplis show on KHOW earlier this week when he was trying to convince his caucus mates not to remove him from his leadership position. You know, yes, I had a gun on me because I work in Denver, right? And, uh, and uh, you know, that, that is a, a safety measure that I keep with me, you know, coming in and out of the Capitol. <laughs> What is this, the Wild West? <laughs> Who needs a gun to come in and out of the Capitol building in Denver? I, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That's I mean, so embarrassing to me. Like, you're, are you really a real man? Are you really that tough? You need to bring a gun with you? Come on, dude. Yeah, it, it's, 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 it screams lame-o. You know Ugh, what I mean? Just number loser. 
Do you yeah. think? I, I feel like this is this is a Republican narrative we've heard from a few years for a few years. Though. I mean, we, they like, cosplay this stuff all the time, so it's perfect. He's right. cosplaying the Wild West thing. Oh my God, I got to deal with Denver, this total toilet bowl or whatever Representative Matt Soper of Delta called us. Yeah, exactly. Um, mm. It's just it's so terrifying. I have to come up here to legislate, so I just got to be you know I got to have my wits about me and have my gun. Wear my cowboy hat. And wear my cowboy hat. You're right. He's a cowboy hat wearing guy too. I mean, it is a full look for them. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it works for their constituents. I don't know. I would find it a little bit. It's to me. Like it's I'm full. I feel so separated for it because I I lived on 17th and Pearl. Like I lived right there by the Capitol building. Like like 2019 through like you know the George Floyd protests through all through the increase in crime and but I've never felt like the need to have a gun on me. Uh, There's never been and maybe that's like privilege because I'm a large native man. uh, But it's never like I've never because and sometimes in Albuquerque I I can feel terrified downtown. Um, uh, But but, but like Phoenix, Denver, like it, I, it, it, I don't feel that level of danger where I feel like I'm going to get jumped or robbed. Um, I feel like my car might get stolen. I, I feel like my bike might get stolen if I leave it outside. Like that's a big concern for me, like living downtown. But but the idea that you would need to bring a firearm, which, you know, only escalates a situation to the potential of death. Right. Right. I am with you so far away from my thought process. Denver's not that dangerous. Yeah, I mean, and that's the story this week from uh, DA Beth McCann and uh, DPD Chief Ron Thomas. They co-authored an op-ed that I thought was interesting to put up against this um, this Lynch story because they in the Denver Post they say. Denver has seen a decrease in crime. They were very proud to talk about all these figures about how Denver's seen decreases in both violent and property crimes in 2023 compared to the previous years. That includes murder, aggravated assault, sexual assault, auto theft, which has been a very exciting turnaround, I think, statewide, mm-hmm. but here especially in Denver and DIA, um, robbery, burglary, burglary, all these things are down. They say it's not down to pre-pandemic levels, but they say it's it's down. So I don't know. I mean, that that's the narrative that these other law enforcement officials are talking about. I mean, it's just about fear. You know what I mean? If something, if you're made to feel fearful of something, then you're going to go to the lengths that you want to go to to protect yourself, I guess. I just think that it's just part of this narrative about Denver that is not true to most of us that are here every day. But um, maybe folks coming from outside of the city feel that. I just, I just don't buy it. I just don't buy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, my, my the the thing about the the weapons too is just it that terrifies me more. I guess uh, I had a coworker. They just went to Walmart and somebody walked in front of them. They're like, "Hey, what are you doing?" And then they pulled out a firearm and pointed at them. Wow. Which is and then and then they they stopped and the person walked away. But they were they were shook obviously because that yeah. feels so so. I, I like your safety is called into question, and we've you know we we talked about stories where people over road rage incidents like shoot at each other, and and I, the firearms things that feels much more like a much more real danger because there are these real consequences that are permanent. You know, just more guns actually creates more of the problem. Right. Mm. Yeah. The mm. the road rage thing too, I feel like is where I would be most concerned about right. gun violence. I mean, outside of just, yeah, but I, I was thinking about, I was at the Edgewater Market the other day, which is where the Tesla station where that gentleman shot that other gentleman and mm-hmm. killed him over a charging station. So I, I'm with you, Joshua. I think it's really about like it, the more, the bigger concern is who has guns. It's right. not about crime, hmm. right?
Well, uh, Bree, you talked about what what Mr. Lynch uh, is afraid of, um, and maybe he's afraid of the wrong thing. You know, maybe it's more about being Republican in Denver than it is about being a person in Denver. <laughs> oh my God, they're such a persecuted group. <laughs> oh, man, I hope they're guys. okay. They are kind of a an endangered species. It's they're uh, they're on the ropes. It's chosen. It's an identity you choose. It's not <laughs> an identity you're born with. True. So. Um, well, let, let's talk about that aspect. You know, the politics of this situation. Mike Lynch being, you know, he had previously been seen as maybe a a front runner to take on Bobert in this CD4 race, but now he's resigned from being minority leader. Where, what does this say about the Republican Party of Colorado? Oof. I mean, it's not a good look right now. I think the thing that's interesting to me, though, is like people don't really care about DUIs. I want them to care about DUIs, but I don't think that that's going to make or break somebody's vote. There, there's that, but I think people care about resigning the uh, House Minority Speaker position. I feel like that they'll see that, um, and 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 then they'll see they'll do it because of like ethics. It, I think they'll see that more than like yeah. I don't think people care about DUIs. No. Well, I don't know. I feel like maybe this this Lynch guy is is still of that that breed of the Republican Party where. I think his supporters might care about it because in in the response to that, this is a quote from the uh, Denver Post. He says, I'm obviously embarrassed by it. As a Christian man who professes to be that way, it's not good to be known as getting a DUI. Honestly, the political impacts are not as much of a concern as just my overall reputation. And he he says he's reportedly quit drinking since this incident. So I, I think he's actually taking it really seriously and trying to communicate to his constituents that this does matter to him and he recognizes the weight of it. Sure. Yeah, I mean, he also said that he thought the legal limit was 0.2, which is insane. <laughs> yeah. And Paul, you watched the video, right? He's drunk. He's clearly yeah. drunk. Yeah. And he was speeding. He was going and he 90. And had a firearm on him. Uh, and he also driving an electric vehicle. An electric vehicle, an electric oh, yeah. Mustang. That was hilarious. That was the most embarrassing part for the Republican Party was that he was caught driving an EV. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Um, <laughs> that, yeah, that was fun detail. That's a bad um, look. Uh, speaking to the double standards, though, I mean, the the confrontation where he goes for a gun uh, in this confrontation with the officer and the officer tells him, like, that's how people get killed. Yep. Which, like, yeah. That, yeah, of course. We know that. Um, and then the other thing he did was, you know, interesting comparison with Bobert and her whole Beetlejuice incident. He he did try to get the officer to call his boss, who Lynch has reportedly mm-hmm. worked with on legislation at the Capitol. Which is, and then he did rescind it. He's like, actually, don't call him. You know, did yeah. he say that? Yeah, oh, yeah. in the sad. same conversation. Yeah. Um, one other note about the the state of the Republican Party here that I thought was interesting is like, why now? Why did this come up now? Um, and yeah. I don't think we know, but uh, my friend Andy Kenny, who reports on politics for CPR, he tweeted uh, this week. As Representative Mike Lynch resigned from the House GOP leadership amid the DOI scandal, he speaks to a rift in the party. Then he quotes from Lynch's resignation speech. I'm not stepping down because a failed state party chair decided to try to influence the actions in this house. I'm stepping down because it's the right thing to do. Shots fired, Dave. Let's go, Brandon Williams. Yeah. So Dave, let's go, Brandon Williams, the party chair he's talking about. Was he the source of this story? Was this a leak? That's my theory. Do you think he would rat out his own party i think so i think williams is a big maga guy and i think lynch is 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 on the other side of things yeah he's more of like the christian conservative uh it it feels like a leak because this happened right after he announced his uh campaign for congress uh this denver post article gets you know uh put out there and uh yeah yeah, the timing seems really uh interesting suspect for sure Hmm. Well, anyway. Good luck to you all. Good, good. Republican Party, I don't. 
I don't want to tell you. It's Bad luck the, to the Republican Party. I, I don't know. know. <laughs> Them falling apart. The implosion of the state GOP is like one of the most fun stories of the year. It is fascinating. <laughs> um, and there's actually a debate. The first debate in that that Bobert race, the CD4 race, is happening tonight as we're recording. So oh, really? For, for folks listening, it'll have been in the past, but we, maybe Ooh. we'll talk about that at some point. Yeah, it's happening in Fort Collins. And apparently Lynch is still running, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. I think he only stepped down as minor- minority leader. Hmm. Um, but anyway, we'll talk is more it? about that yeah. as that uh, story develops. We're going to go to a quick break and we'll come back with uh, wins and fails. This episode is brought to you by Fetch. Fetch is a kennel alternative right here in Denver, not a traditional doggy daycare or boarding school. They offer one-on-one private pet care for all kinds of pets, both furry and non-furry. And their employees are experienced, insured, bonded, and background checked. So you can rest easy knowing your pet is in good hands. Basically, they know pets. Um, I used to watch a Burmese mountain dog named Sven, who was just like walking a polar bear. It was insane. (laughs) Fetch offers pet sitting, dog walking, pet taxi, medication administration, and more. And he hated going on walks. I could like walk him around the block and then he was like, he just liked to lay in the bathtub. So if you're looking for high quality pet care you can trust, check out Fetch at northdenver.fetchpetcare.com. That's northdenver.fetchpetcare.com. All right, we're back. It's our favorite way to end the week. We're talking Rocky Mountain highs and lows, a.k.a. wins and fails of the week. These are uh, recent local somethings. Each of us has brought a high. Each of us has brought a low. And we're going to talk about them. We're going to do uh, lows, Rocky Mountain lows first, I think. Bree, how about you lead us off? Okay. Uh This is uh, from the Denver Post. YouTuber accused of driving 150 miles per hour on I-25 is wanted by state patrol. So YouTuber Gixer Bra. Hilarious. uh, Gixer Bra. (laughs) What a name. How do you come up with that? What a genius. I recommend you do not watch his channel. It's excruciating. Um, He's accused of going from Denver to Colorado Springs in 20 minutes on his motorcycle. And he's this guy that's got like a GoPro on the, on his helmet in multiple places on his bike. And then he has an in, in helmet, uh, microphone, which is Hmm. just awful. So he's like narrating. Oh, it's so noise. Yeah. This guy is like, he's 32, but he hits one of those like 13 year old boys probably love this channel. Actually, no 13 year old boys are wiser than this man. This is like 10 year old. (laughs) He's like appealing to 10 year old boys. (laughs) Mm hmm. And so it's like you, the, I just clicked on the first, so the video has been deleted, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously. And um, I clicked on the first video that was there and it's just him and he's talking. You can't see him because it's in his his helmet. And he's just like, I just pulled up to this gas station. I'm here to pick up a female. Picking up a female is what he says. And this is him talking <laughs> into his helmet. And then he's like, what up, bros? I normally do the part where I like pick up a female, but she kind of drove here to meet me. So she's already here. He also refers to Colorado as Rado. <laughs> he's like the worst he's just like it's like the most loser shit I've ever seen and it's a type for sure he continues to talk about her and she can't hear him uh-huh. he's like she said she came with her safety gear but she came with a helmet that doesn't fit and no gloves <laughs> oh well let's get on the road so, she, like, oh, no. so she's on the bike while yes. he's 
Yes. <laughs> Did she I don't know, know if, what she was getting into? I don't know into? if the, the situ- I, she has to because right. it sounds like this is his game. This is how he meets girls or whatever. But um, I don't know if she was on for that particular 150 mile an hour ride. But uh, he's wanted on suspicion of menacing, engaging in a speed contest, reckless endangerment, reckless driving, Dang. speeding more than 40 miles per hour over the ski- speed limit, engaging mm-hmm. in an exhibition of speed and driving without license plates attached. Well, because he's doing all the speeding, right? Yeah. Just, I just like, I just, it's just Sounds pretty cut and such, dry. <laughs> it's such loser behavior to me. It's so embarrassing. Oh, this man is 32 years old, Gixer bra. And this is what he's doing. Like, I just, ugh. So just fail. I'm sorry, men. This man has failed you this week. What a loser. Oop. Yeah, boo. boo. Sorry, I'm just pulling up Gixer bra's YouTube here. 251,000 subscribers. Oh my, that's too many. <sighs> So many ten-year-olds out there well. watching this guy's speed race. <laughs> I, I like how you think it's ten-year-olds. There's a lot of like people that want to that are thirty years. Are there years other old. immaturely underdeveloped adult men watching? Well, this not man? only that, but it's like he's their fantasy. You know, mm-hmm. like they they don't even have. And that's what's the saddest part. That exactly, like they want to be. Him. They want to be this kind and of a loser. That guy is a loser. Oh, like yeah, brutal loser. So I mean, I'm yeah, just bummer. The two thumbs down to Gixter Bra. Yeah, stop. I think he's probably loving it. His most recent video, or no, this he has a video here. Colorado's most wanted. I think this oh, outlaw thing is part of it for him. God. Oh, so he's gonna get off with a fine. Yeah, hundred fifty. Hundred fifty miles is crazy fast. It's it's stupid. Fast. Can you imagine also just driving on the highway and someone whipping <laughs> around you doing that? Like, yeah. ugh. No way. Anyway. Organ donor, you know. Yeah, that's what my mom calls motorcycle riders. That's <laughs> what a lot of people. Yeah, Organ it's donors, common, yeah. yeah. And then cagers is the other term, going the other way. Cager? Yeah, I used to ride a motorcycle. What's a cager? Yeah, so a cager is anybody that drives like a car. That's what motorcyclists call people that drive cars. Oh, they you're like them, in oh. a cage? You're in a cage, exactly, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I will say- I've motor- heard that before. Driving a motorcycle was super fun, but it's also super dumb. Um, and especially when you have somebody on the back, if they're not wearing proper gear, and like even if he's not going 150, I guarantee he's getting up to 70. The road rash on that, like it could be fatal. Death. I've seen two hmm. motorcycle yeah. accident deaths, it's, and it's one of the most gruesome things I've ever it's seen. It's tough. And then even if you're going slow, road rash sucks. Like, yeah. yeah so, yeah. So brutal. Um, all right, let's move on. Joshua, you want to give us a fail? Yeah, I got a, I got a fail. Uh, there's this Colorado pastor, uh, Eli uh, Regalado, uh, and his wife. They ended up starting a cryptocurrency. Uh, they got $3.4 million of Christians to invest. They, the whole idea is like, you invest in this cryptocurrency, uh, God will it will send you blessings. Uh, they have now are being sued by the Colorado uh, Securities uh, Commission for fraud. They took about $1.3 million out of the cryptocurrency and don't let anybody else take any of their money back out of the cryptocurrency. And so they're being sued. I think tomorrow is the hearing. Uh, what's crazy is that he put a video out on it. And in the video, he was like, yeah, we took the $1.3 million out. Uh, we needed to buy a Range Rover because uh, God told us to. Uh, and we needed to remodel our house because God told us to. <laughs> and, and yeah, 
yeah, we had no exit plan, but we're right now we're just praying for our financial miracle, and we believe, and and if you believe, you need to pray, and it's pretty crazy. Like, uh, yeah, it's wild. I gotta see this video. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because <laughs> he good. just admits to everything that he's accused to. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. about God. Yeah, exactly. God working through him oh, to yeah. do the, the crypto scam. And, and, interesting. And I've heard he's worked in mysterious ways before, but this would be a really one, a really big mystery. You know. That's, <laughs> This is just so depressing to me. The right. people that he's swindling with this really obvious grift is like probably not people that are rich. Like, well, you know what I mean? It's 300 people for $3.4 million of investment. So it's everybody's like life savings. Yeah. That's really what, what hits me. Like they might have a little bit of money, but they're investing That's everything. all of it. That's all they this. have. Exactly. Yeah. Ugh. Devastating. Just I heartbreaking. Think, I mean, because there's the, the people who would get suckered in by crypto scams who are just like chasing the high of like a, the rush of maybe the number goes up and you mm -hmm. get rich, which I mean, that if that's what you want to do, it's kind of like gambling to me. Like you can choose to do it. But when you layer the faith stuff on top of it, that's where it starts to feel like exploitative. Yeah. I mean, that's like one of the biggest original people parts of religion is the grift you know right it's absolutely not a, it's scientology not it's not a new yeah. game oh yeah scientology is a great example and like how churches are taxed in this country is mm -hmm. a great example or not taxed or not yes yeah. the lack of taxation <laughs> i mean same with crypto highly unregulated i wonder how they're gonna get him if if what so what is are there charges what's the situation with yeah. the, the, the the prosecution so it is, it is charge of fraud um, so he's accused of anti-fraud licensing and registration provisions um, are the official things that the uh, Colorado Securities Commission is charging him with. Um, I'm not 100% sure if they – I think they would just seize everything that he has and then try to give it up to the people that he defrauded I think would, would be how it would go. But How do you prove it's fraud? Because uh, like if it's faith, if he's saying like this is a way to get closer to God, you can't say grift. that's not. And it's crypto because so it's like you know you're buying into this thing where it could go up or down. I think it's the exit plan. I think crypto now has to be – there has to be a point where people can take their money back out of the cryptocurrency if they want to regardless of what it's trading at I guess. Hmm. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm going to look into that more. I also just think crypto is sometimes an opportunity for folks that don't have like generations and generations of wealth. It's like the, that maybe it feels like another way right. that they might be able to get into that being an actual rich person game. Sure. Yeah. But Classic get rich quick scheme. Yeah. This is mm. so sad. Bad. It is sad. It people is sad. believe in anything though. I mean, that's, that's what people want. They want to belong and they want to believe. So. Um. All right. I think it's time for my fail. My fail is a short one. Um, my fail goes to uh, former mayoral candidate Kelly Bruff, um, who this week <laughs> joined uh, the Denver-based Common Sense Institute as a oh. policy fellow. Ooh. Um, so this Common Sense Institute, if you're not familiar, this is uh, Kyle Clark from Nine News calls it a conservative think tank. Um, our friend Connor McCormick Cavanaugh wrote in Westward a big long feature about how their reports are like mostly bunk, but it's not a very reputable organization, and it definitely does have this conservative tilt. So yeah, I John mean, Caldera runs it. And different. He's the, I looked into this. We talked about the John. Oh, he runs the Independence guy. Institute. Oh, it's not Caldera's it's not place. Sense. Yep. Oh, I was different, hoping it was the play with poop guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I want to say sorry, Paul. Go ahead. No, 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 finish no. It's your, okay. Finish your thought on this. Oh, just f fail for Kelly Bruff because you know she sold herself as a liberal in, in the mayoral race and that's uh -huh. what because that's what Denverites would want and now she's kind of revealing herself as someone who's a little bit more, more conservative than, than we maybe thought. 
I so first of all, the the mayoral race here is nonpartisan. So she didn't have to align herself with a party. But I agree with you, Paul. She was presenting as a more left of center mm-hmm. person. And I think many folks, myself included, saw right through that. And that's what frustrated me about the push for um, voting for her because she's a woman. I just remember uh, that being part of the like, but she's a woman, but she's a woman. But like, okay, but we still don't have the same beliefs. And this to me kind of confirms what I think a lot of us knew, which was she was not pre- she was not what she was presenting as, or at least how her campaign was presenting her. Yeah, I mean, I hope they pay well. You know, yeah, I, mean, I, I was this the the same think tank that was like, let's just take all the homeless people and put them in a town outside of Denver. Is that? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, there's a, there's a few like this. Yeah. They do a lot of like reports. They're they're one of the folks that do like the the crime narrative. They push the Denver's dangerous stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because they want to create fear. You want to talk about fear mongers, you know? Like it's, oh. uh, it, it's, it's. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's talk about some nice stuff. Let's do the wins. Joshua, Joshua you go. yeah, yeah. Okay. Take this away. I got a, I got a big win. Miss uh, Lily Gladstone. Uh, she won a Golden Globe, but she was the first Native American and third Indigenous woman to be nominated for an Oscar for her role in Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, I. And not only this, but Lily's been doing this for a minute. Uh, in 2016, uh, for certain women, she won a larger, a lot of uh, major independent awards for best supporting uh, actor. Uh, and then she was in uh, Reservation Dogs. Uh, and if you watch Killers of the Flower Moon, her ability to create character, to create chemistry with Leonardo DiCaprio, to work with Leonardo DiCaprio, and not get pushed off the stage, um, like in those scenes, that whole first third of the movie is such a strong performance by Lily. Um, absolutely deserving. Really cool to see uh, all, all the indigenous uh, uh, kids listening to this. Uh, I mean, you can go get an Oscar, right? Um, this this is a real thing for you. Uh, big celebration of the Native community. Um, I'm rooting for uh, really cool to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love this movie. I thought she was wonderful. And if you haven't seen it, there are some interesting Colorado ties in Killers of the Flower Moon. It's a story that takes place in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It's about some white people who like went on this murdering spree to try to take <laughs> oil rights from the Osage uh, Nation. Yeah, marrying then murdering <laughs> the people they married is pretty crazy. Just awful, awful. Really um interesting story but like there were there were a few times in the movie where the character lily was playing like her and her sisters were saying like we got to get away from these murders that keep happening we should go to colorado springs right like that was the that was the escape route for them was i thought interesting i kind of wanted to look into that more after i saw it i also think representation is such a buzzword that sometimes people forget how powerful it is Mm -hmm. um seeing somebody who looks like you or has a life experience like you in a position like that I mean, that's in that's a whole generation now of um, indigenous people are seeing themselves reflected in that. And I think that's when we see the change in 10 or 20 years when all of a sudden there's way more lilies on a stage. But I just I love to see these things and, and just remind people that it does. It matters to so many individual people. Right. Just to see themselves in that person. Um, I also came across a movie she was in in 2022 called Quantum Cowboys that I just watched the trailer for. And it's like 12 different animation styles mashed <laughs> together in this sort of like western epic and i would love to watch it and i part of i came across it because i was seeing what else she was in so yeah she's got a lot of stuff out there like you said not just that not just her big oscar win but but other films and what's crazy is that 
before she got the call from Martin Scorsese, um, she wasn't getting a lot of calls. She was going to go back to grad school. And then, hmm. yeah, uh, her agent called her and said, hey, Marty wants to give you a call like later this afternoon. And then oh. it just goes from there. And so it's like one of those things where not that she would have quit acting, but like she wouldn't have done this role and she would have, you know, gone on and have been a student right now. And so it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great movie too. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna watch it again before the awards. It's hard. It's three hours long. It is. It it's, is. I got. I. I <laughs> it's great though. It's great. Um, Paul, Paul, what about you? Okay. Okay. Mine's. Uh, my win goes to Isaac Vargas at Denverite. Yes. Oh my had, guy, Isaac. I love that. Yeah. Well, he had. Did you see his story this about week the about clown? the clown? Oh. Yes. That, the, the story about the clown. Oh man, I was texting him about this too. It, yeah. Incredible story. Um, we'll put a link in the show notes, but I'll summarize it. So it's there. There's a man named Jesus Rafael. Breu, um, aka Yupi the Clown, who uh, came from Venezuela to Denver a few months ago. Um, he lost all of his like clowning his, equipment his, and yeah, his, his, his whole livelihood basically on the way. He talks about uh, having to leave his silver unicycle uh, in the Darien Gap because he couldn't like carry it across this treacherous ravine. And he was like, there's this moment in the story that Isaac got where he's sitting with this guy and, he's t- and Abreu says, I sat with him, the unicycle, like a person. I explained to him why I had to leave him. And when I wasn't with him, I felt alone. That unicycle traveled with me through five countries. Um, but this guy now has come to Denver and is like rebuilding his his clowning business. He's trying to set up a business. He's been doing it all across North Denver, Stanley Marketplace. He's... Um, and he and he's just like really struggling right now. And like he was uh, he he was a Santa for the kids the morning after he slept uh, in a tent outside and just really struggling. But like he keeps finding a way to persevere and like share joy and light. And it it, it was a, a it's an emotional story. I, I think everybody should read it. I loved it because I think Isaac did something that's really crucial in our reporting, which is humanizing people and giving them more dimension. And I think when we talk about the migrant crisis, we're talking about people in dozens and dozens, large groups of people, and then talking about like, what skills do they have? You know, we don't think about like they the music they like, the movies they like, the things that they do outside of their work. And this was a cool way to see somebody's passion and be like, I this isn't he's like anybody else. He's a multi-dimensional person. He may have traveled really far to escape something, but he also he has this amazing talent and we get to see, I don't know, I just appreciated this one little look into a person's life. Yeah, it's really and, humanizing. And it was so motivating. Uh, you know, I, I do stand-up comedy and and it's become part of my identity and to see somebody he's he's the same age as me. Like he's in his early 30s and to travel across seven countries and, and make it here to the United States, you know, which has the best comedy scene where he can succeed at the highest levels and to have that be a part of his identity all through that it carried it that whole way and it just like the idea that like i am a clown that's who i am and i can like serve society wherever i'm at is so beautiful to me it's an inspiration i really love this story a lot it it really it's beautiful and but to speak to the the skills again because there's this we had this conversation with the mayor this week. We had this conversation with this immigration lawyer this week, and we got complaints from people. There were some angry emails in our inbox from folks who were like, "Why are we letting these migrants in? Oh, Why no. are we let- they're taking our jobs?" We got there, and everyone's heard these complaints, but like 
this guy is the, the the story that shows that that's not true. The data says it's not true, but this guy's he's the story. He's he wants to set up his clowning business. He and he will succeed because you can tell about him. He loves being a clown. And also, if he doesn't succeed, he can just try. It, it like he doesn't have to be the perfect per. He doesn't have to make it to the true. world stage. Right. Like he's just a person. And I, I yeah. I'm glad that these stories exist because I think that it helps some folks, maybe not all, who still are seeing this in a more black and white way, that this is the this is so much deeper than just someone came into my country or whatever. This right. guy is he imagine can you guys imagine carrying everything you owned on your back through five countries? I just can't. The moment of leaving the unicycle behind just was in, what got me. It was incredible. like, this is his most prized possession, his whole livelihood. He had to, uh, but ugh. Isaac Vargas, too, great reporter at yeah. the Denverite. Thank you so much for that story. Yeah, flowers. It's wonderful. wonderful. Um, Bree, your win. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much, it's, it's not as exciting as either of these two. Um, there's a new molecule effect coffee shop opening on South South Broadway <laughs> in the old Dairy Queen. That was there for 30 years. There was another place in between these. In the Dairy Queen. Yeah, oh. it was called Bamboo for a okay. minute. Cool. But um, I I have to say, I was skeptical of the molecule effect like 15, 13 years ago, 10 years ago, when they moved in on Santa Fe, you know, or like, oh, the gentrifiers coffee shop, whatever. Not at all. Not at all. Like they rooted themselves in the community. They opened up the space as an art space, as a performance space. They they did what I hope so many more businesses would do. And when they left their spot on Santa Fe, not by choice, it was really a blow. People, I loved that place. A lot of people love that place. And they have a spot on um, Alameda and Logan where I was actually, because it's next to my dentist's office, I was talking to the owner of Molecule Effect there a couple months ago, and she was heartbroken that they were not back on Santa Fe. But they have this new place now. And they're hoping to come back to Santa Fe eventually, but... Um, there's going to be a new coffee shop that's independent. It has a walk-up. It has a drive-through. It's on South Broadway. I I could not be happier. This is the kind of business that I love to see thrive in Denver. So especially in South South Broadway, you know, what I mean, because it deserves to sort of have the culture continue to go down south. Yeah. You know, like have yeah, which is what's happening, and it's even more beautiful when we can see something that's like growing. Even this is a small business that's right. now, and this is how it happens: is that like you know, businesses with cool ideas, good culture, sort of come and invest themselves in the community around them. Hundred percent. Right? Yeah. So please go support uh, Molecule Effect. Wonderful coffee shop. Great people. Great coffee. They do. They had. A, they have an artist residency at their mm -hmm. one in Wash Park. Really? Yeah. That's there was cool. a music. I'm. Oh, I'm just heartbroken. I can't remember his name. He did a whole month there. Huh. Like you have to. You have to really be interested and invested in the arts to do that kind of stuff. So, thanks, wow. Molecule Effect. You're doing awesome. Yeah. This is. This is a great one. I love the Molecule Effect. I would. I think I would have said that was my favorite coffee shop before. Oh, wow. Before I left on Santa Fe. Absolutely. Yeah. Same. It's one of my top place five. I had a bulletproof coffee. Oh, a little which, bit of butter. Yeah. Uh, Kind of still on the uh, fence. They about. used to have this okay. Venetian coffee that was like milky, creamy. It came out of a tap. I don't know why they don't have it anymore, but I still dream about it. And molecule effect. If you want to bring it back, You'll I would be, be your I would be your spokesperson. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, well, that's great. That's a great round of wins. What a, what a fun show. Um, Joshua, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, being the mayor's award recipient for excellence <laughs> in the arts, it's just really fun. You got any gigs up. coming up people should know about? Uh, well, we just did Gay Cowboy last week with the MCA, uh, which sold uh, sold out. It was really fun. Um, I'm going to be out in San Francisco for SF Sketch Fest next oh, weekend. Cool. So 
If you want to see if you're a native in the Bay, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You guys are Tell all friends actually, in the Bay Area. Who's native in the Bay? Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll send her. Actually. Yeah, Ocean yeah. Please do. Yeah, it'd be uh, yeah. We got Josh Forney and Shanae Ross coming out. Um, so be nice. It's gonna be a fun time. I'm looking forward to it. That's awesome. All right. Well, see y'all next time. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Joshua. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. Our producers this week were me, Paul Caroli, and Olivia Jewel Love. Peyton Garcia writes our morning newsletter, Hey Denver. Bree Davies is our host. Our music is by Los Mocochetes, with additional mixing by Tyler Lindgren. If you haven't already, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, follow us on Instagram at CityCast Denver, and tell Mike Lynch about us next time you see him whizzing past you on the highway. You can sign up for our daily newsletter and learn more about us at denver.citycast.fm. See you next week.